I don't think they're going to save themselves. I think the solution is for me to come down. And we know that he did. He came down to save us from our sins. And we're so thankful that we celebrate that at Christmas. We're doing a series called Different. And this is taken from Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. So if you have your Bibles with you and you'd like to open them with me, we'll be in Matthew chapter 5. And I hope this is making a difference in your life. Um, and particularly today, I hope it makes a difference in your marriage. And now I know that not everybody here is married. Uh, some of us are single. And just as single as Ezra and Asher. You know, like you're a single single. And uh, at least I hope you're single single. <laughs> and... Uh, you're like, well, this, I'm just going to take the day off. Well, I hope, I hope you don't do that because you need to work on becoming the kind of person that can have a great marriage. Those of you that are married, and you're like, well, I'm, you know, like, I'm married. Well, I hope, I hope you decide to make it better. Like, I, I, hope, I hope you don't settle. I hope you, you come away from this saying, our marriage is going to be better. I hope so. Those of you that are divorced, I hope this is healing. I hope this is helpful. I hope this is perspective giving. I hope this answers some questions for you. I think we better pray before we read these verses. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, You know where this meets us, and you know what people bring to this text, and you know what, what pain or what loneliness or what frustration, uh, anger, hurt is in the room with us, and Lord, I pray that you would stand in front of me while I'm in front of them, that you talk over me while I talk to them about this topic. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and start with the text. So here we are in Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. Jesus says, it was also said. And so what Jesus has done is he's gone through uh, a couple different examples of the way the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious elite at the time, were getting things wrong, and he has corrected them. And so this is another example of that. And so it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. That comes from Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 4, where Moses instructs the people that if you're going to send her away, at least give her a certificate of divorce so that she can be remarried. It was to answer the hardness of the men's hearts as they're putting the women in impossible situations. Just in terribly impossible situations. And it would give her the freedom to remarry without anything coming back, anything bad coming back on her. And so the idea then was, well, I guess you can divorce your wife for whatever you want to as long as you give her a certificate of divorce so that she can remarry. Of course, Jesus is going to correct that. Okay? So let's, let's start over. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce but I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, 
except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her. So that word makes is in the Greek. That is a good interpretation. It is to do or to make. Like, makes her commit adultery because he puts her in an impossible situation. In the ancient world, women had no other option. They had no other way to support themselves that would be commendable other than marriage. And so he makes her commit adultery because she's going to have to be remarried at some point. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. This is, this is rough, isn't it? Like, this is... <laughs> let me, you know, I had it kind of broken up up there. Let me just read it through one more time. Chapter 5, verse 31. It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So I feel like before I keep going, there are some questions we've got to answer. The first question is, is, okay, so if I get divorced, can I get remarried? Well, of course you can if there was sexual immorality or adultery. If there's adultery, of course you can remarry. Jesus makes that very clear. He'll make that very clear again in Matthew chapter 19. The next question is, well, what if we got married after divorce for the wrong reasons? What if we got divorced for the wrong reasons and then we got remarried? What should we do? You see my question? Should we get a second divorce? No. The reason is that the second marriage is real. So what Jesus says here is whoever marries a divorced woman, when he uses the word marries, it's the same word he uses for the first marriage. It's a marriage. So you don't, you don't right a wrong by creating a second wrong. You know, you wouldn't fix a lie by telling another lie. You wouldn't get a second divorce to fix the first one. So the second marriage is real. So don't get a second divorce. A second divorce is not commended. But that's not the only question people have. People have so so if if we start with okay we 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 got divorced for the wrong reasons, then we got remarried. The first thing we'd say is a second divorce won't fix it. Stay in the marriage you're in. The second question people have is, well, is every time we have sex, is that like committing adultery again? Celibacy within marriage is not commended. Further, more importantly, even if the marriage started with adultery, so the the other thing I need to say at some point this morning is, These are two verses out of lots and lots of Scripture. So let's not try to make these the only two verses about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. So there's more in the Bible about this than just this. But even if if your marriage did start with adultery, even if that's true, it would not remain adulterous, not forever, because you aren't married to anyone else. Marriage is marriage is marriage. 
So even if it started with adultery, it wouldn't continue to be adultery forever and ever because you're not married to anyone else. So think of, think of the definition of the word adultery. The word, definition of the word adultery is if you're cheating on your spouse. Well, if you're married, this is your spouse. So it wouldn't continue to be adultery forever and ever. Before I, before I try, to, try to preach on this, or try to, I'm just trying to help you understand what the text says and answer some questions here first. Before I do that, let me read it again, and then let's ask, okay, what is the big picture? I think it's really helpful to keep the big picture in mind when we're teaching through this. So let's read it again. Chapter 5, verse 31. It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 24, like I say. But I say to you, accept that that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and everyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So what on earth, what on earth should we do with this? Well, like I say, let's step back and see the big picture. Let's remember that we said a long time ago, when we were introducing Matthew chapter 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, we said the most important verse for understanding Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is in Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus says, or Matthew says, Jesus began preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we, decide, we defined repentance as you were going your way, living a hallowed be my name. You know, I'm worried about my reputation. I'm worried about my kingdom. I'm worried about my will being done. So I'm living for me. And repentance is when I turn around and I go a different direction, kind of make the U-turn, if you will, and live for God. So hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Then we said this makes a good map for the Beatitudes. And so we taught through the Beatitudes and we showed how those are in the shape of repentance. And we said if you are like this, if you are shaped by this repentance, if you turn away from living for yourself and for God, you will be different. You will be really, really different from the world that surrounds you. You'll be as different as salt is from whatever it's seasoning. You'll be as different as light is from the darkness. You'll be different from even the religious people around you because you'll actually be keeping the law. You'll be really, really different. And then where we are right now is we're looking at six examples of how Jesus' disciples are different. So six ways your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees. That's a direct quote from Jesus. Okay, so six ways. So we are on way number three, actually, that your, diff, your righteousness, your right with Godness, is different from that of the scribes and the Pharisees. So how would I just remind you what the scribes and the Pharisees would do? Scribes and Pharisees, religious elite people, righteousness, would say, well, the Bible says not to murder. Now, it's okay to be mad, really, really mad. As long as you don't murder, it's okay to hold a grudge. As long as you don't murder, you don't have to reconcile. You could just stay angry. You can be calling them names in your head. As long as you don't murder, everything's okay. And Jesus says, wait, wait, wait. Stop, stop, stop. God's heart is for reconciliation. Remember that? Then he says, then he points out how the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious people, would say, well, as long as you don't commit adultery, 
You can look. You know, you can look on the menu as long as you don't order, or you can look all you want. Doesn't matter as long as you don't actually commit adultery. And Jesus says, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. God cares about your heart. He cares about the purity of your heart. So you're going to be different than them. Now he's going to talk about divorce, and in a minute, the next one is going to be about lying, where they're like, well, you, you can break an oath as long as you word it the right way. No, you can lie as long as, you, as long as you get your technicalities right. You can lie. And Jesus is going to say, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. God is a God of truth. He cares about the truth. Are you kidding me? So God is for truth. He's for purity, and he's for reconciliation. He's for dealing with your anger. And I think the big idea here is the Pharisees are looking for a loophole, and Jesus is like, stop with the loopholes. God is for your marriage. Stay married if you can. Please stay married. You know, this is, this, like, Matthew 19 is a fuller explanation of this. If, if you are taking notes, you want to study this further, you can write in your margin, Matthew chapter 19. But when they come to Jesus and they ask him about this, can we divorce our wives for any and every reason? Jesus says, have you never read? Like, of course they've read. Like, that's so insulting. You know, it'd be like asking me, have you ever looked at your Bible, Nathan? Well, of course I've looked at my Bible. But Jesus says to him, have you never read from the beginning God created? I think if this is like goes back to marriage, goes back to creation. So God makes light and God makes dark. God makes the sea and God makes the dry land. God makes the sun to rule over the day and he makes the moon to rule over the night. And God makes male and he makes female and in marriage, he joins them together, and the two become one. They become glued together, and Jesus says, what God has put together, let no man separate. This is like big, big pillars of foundation, pillars of creation stuff. God is for your marriage. The one you're in right now, he's for that one. So, what Jesus is saying here, I think what he's doing is he's telling them, stop looking for an easy way out. Stop divorcing your wives. This is going back to Matthew chapter 19. Stop divorcing your wives. Stop divorcing each other for any and every reason. Stop looking for a loophole. Just like he'd say to them, stop looking for reasons to stay angry. God is for reconciliation. Just like he'd say to them, stop looking for loopholes so you can lust. God is for reconciliation. He's for purity. Just like he'd say, stop looking for ways to lie. Please stop that. God is for telling the truth. He'd say, stop, stop looking for an easy way out. God has not designed there to be an easy way out. He has joined you together. You are one flesh. You can't un-one what God has made one. It is a painful, awful process like being ripped in half.
So Jesus tells him, stop looking for an easy way out. Before I keep going, are you looking for an easy way out? You know what that sounds like sometimes? It sounds like, well, our marriage is awful, but I guess we'll stay out, stick with it for the kids. It's not you, is it? You know, we don't, we don't even like each other anymore, but it would be too expensive to get a divorce and too inconvenient, so I guess we'll just be roommates. I think that's kind of an easy way out. Why not, why not be what Jesus says and be one? Stop looking for an easy way out. Stop, stop trying, to, trying to find a way like, sometimes I try to explain it like, when the Pharisees come to Jesus in Matthew chapter 19, and they ask, can we divorce our wives for any and every reason? It's kind of like asking, when can we crash the plane? Can we crash the plane? In this situation, could we crash the plane? In that situation, could we, could we crash the plane? When can we crash land? And Jesus is saying, how about, how about we try to keep the plane in the air? How about we try to stay married? Would that be all right? Stop looking for an easy way out. Stop trying to say, well, I think we could coexist if we... Stop that. Find a way to be married. Find a way to grow closer to each other. And you do that by continuing to follow Jesus, continuing to become more and more like Jesus. Okay, so number one, stop looking for an easy way out. Number two, protect your marriage. How, now, how do you need to protect or defend your marriage? Well, I think Jesus gives us some pretty good material to work with here. You know, the passage that comes right before this is anger. Is anger ever a thing in your marriage? Is anger ever a, a thing where you might have fights that never really get finished? You might call each other names. What did Jesus say about that? Calling each other names. You remember? It's, it's in chapter 5, verses 21 through 26, if you're curious. Is anger ever a thing in your marriage? One of the guys I'm reading quite a lot to prepare for the marriage retreat talks about how couples will keep lists. And... This starts as soon as they get married. It starts a lot of times in the dating relationship. They keep lists. And on that list is everything that the other person has ever done to hurt them. All the other person's shortcomings. All the things the other person, all the reasons the other person is hard to live with. All the ways the spouse has changed them into people that are hard to live with. But it's all their fault. All the on that list is all the reasons why they're the bad one and I'm the good one. And those are reasons for anger. And those are things that just never really go away and reasons we tell ourselves it's okay for us to hold a grudge. You need to protect your marriage from that. That is not helping your marriage. It is not helping your marriage. What did Jesus say? He said, look, if you're at the temple offering your gift and you remember that someone has something against you, 
you leave your gift at the altar and you go and be reconciled. He said that about your brother, but I think it also applies to your spouse. If you think your spouse might have something against you, there is nothing more important in your life than fixing that. Please fix that. Please don't use religious excuses. One of the ways we can defend our marriage is dealing with our anger. Another way we can defend our marriage is dealing with lust. Like that's the next one that Jesus talks about before divorce is lust. How many marriages are on life support because people are so angry? How many marriages and fights never get resolved? How many marriages are on life support because somebody has an addiction? Because somebody isn't dealing with their lust and their heart is being pulled in a different direction than their spouse. And like I say, man, like this, this is a thing to get a hold of now. Like if you're single, this is a thing to get a hold of now. This will not get better when you're married. It will not. Now is the time to become the kind of person that can have a great marriage. And the way you do that is you deal with your stuff now. You deal with these addictions now. These sin habits now. Please deal with that now. Because that will pull your heart away from your spouse. It will create this division in your spou- between you and your spouse. Is that you? Is that something you need to work on? Is that something you need to bring to the Lord and ask for help with? You know, another way we defend our marriage, so, so I'm just looking at my Bible here and I see anger, I see lust, and it's big headings, and then I see, after the one on divorce and remarriage, uh, oaths. So this is going to have to do with lying. How many marriages are on life support because people don't trust each other? They just don't trust each other. One of the ways, one of the ways you can work on your marriage is becoming a truthful person. What is it that in your marriage... What is it that, how, how could you defend your marriage? As, as, a, as, a, as a person, like what, what would Jesus change about you so that you could have a great marriage? Does it have to do with lying? Does it have to do with sexual purity? Does it have to do with anger? What would Jesus look at in your life if you're sitting across the table from him and him point at and say, let's, work, let's look at this area. So we said God is for your marriage. So number one, stop looking for an easy way out. Number two, defend your marriage. And number three, work on your marriage. Work on your marriage. So how would we do that? Well, number one, I mean, I don't want to be overly simplistic. But one of the ways would be actually finish the fights. Actually bring the conflict to an end. Actually have the discussions that you've been avoiding. Actually... Take your list, you know, it probably should be much bigger than this, but take your list, this must be Cheyenne's list, I just don't give her any reason to be mad at me, yeah, I just got another one, it's, uh, yeah. she, she likes it when I tease her, you know, especially when I have a mic and she doesn't. 
Of course, now she has a mic, so she's going to be right back up here in a minute. One of the ways you can work on your marriage, though, is taking your list. All the things they've done wrong. All the reasons they're a worse spouse than you. All the reasons my life is harder than your life. All the debts they... You could take that. You could say, I'm not going to hold that against you anymore. As God has forgiven me, I'm going to forgive you, and we're going to love each other. You could do that. You could do what Jesus said about dealing with lust. You could deal ruthlessly with it. Ruthlessly. You could cut stuff out of your life. You could delete apps from your phone. You could switch phones. There's places you could stop going, things you could stop doing. You could. God's help. You know, without being overly simplistic, but just following Jesus' teaching, you could deal with your anger, you could become sexually pure, and you could, you could become truthful. You could foster trust in your relationship. By doing what you say you're going to do. By going where you say you're going to go. By meaning what you say and saying what you mean. You could, you could be a model of consistency and your spouse could learn to trust you. And that could go a long way towards healing your marriage. What's the Holy Spirit pushing on you to look at here? Is it not quitting on your marriage? Is it defending your marriage? Is it working on your marriage? What's the Holy Spirit moving in your life on? As you think about that, let's go ahead and, Melissa, let's turn the lights off here. As I talk through this, I know it's a, it's a tough topic, and it, I don't know what it brings up. Um, As I was praying about this and thinking about this message, I was thinking, man, it, it might be that this would bring up a lot of hurt and pain, frustration, that people might really feel like um, failures, like frauds, fakes, because they're not what they appear to be. It might be that everyone else in this room and everyone else that you work with think you have a fantastic marriage and you know that it is not. And your spouse knows that it is not. And you just feel so much shame and guilt. It might be that you feel that way for past sins. 
Might be that you feel that way from a divorce. Might be that you feel that way from stuff you've done that could lead to a divorce. I don't know where this finds you. But remember, remember who taught this. This is Jesus. And remember what we sang about with Christmas. It's when Jesus looked down at us and said, yeah, they're not going to save themselves. I'm going to go down to save them. So he came. And he lived among us. And he taught us. And he modeled the way. And then he died on the cross for our failures, our sins, He died on the cross, making a way for us to be saved so that we could be utterly and completely, totally, 100% forgiven. And that's true for you. You can be forgiven. All the stuff that you feel ashamed about, all the stuff that you feel like you're a fraud and you're a failure and you're this and you're that and you shouldn't even be here and what are you even doing? And I feel itchy with guilt and like, what am I even doing? You can be forgiven. He died on the cross for your sins. Look to him and say, Lord, please forgive my sins. You are my Lord and Savior. I trust you with my whole life. Now forgive me of my sins. And then, we really believe this will make a difference in your life. We really believe that. And you'll start making a difference in other people's lives. And this is why Jesus said, You are the light of the world. He said that because you would be different. Your marriage would be different. It would have integrity. You can be different. You can make a difference. Trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if this is making a difference in your life, invite other people to come along. Let me pray. Lord, I pray that today people would turn to you as their Lord and Savior, that their sins would be forgiven, that they would trust you with their whole life, that you would be Lord of their whole life. And Lord, that you would heal marriages. Lord, that people would finish fights, that they would choose to be honest, that they would deal ruthlessly with lust. Lord, I pray that you'd Work in our lives and pull us towards yourself. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.